Thank you so much for joining us again on Teach Me How to Money. We have a fantastic guest here today. We have Trey Bodge here. She's a shopping expert. She's appeared on tons of talk shows. She's written for tons of sites and articles. Trey, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me back. So tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, let's see. So I consider myself to be a smart shopper. I've been helping consumers save money and make smart shopping decisions for a number of years now. Um, so I love to do this on TV, on podcasts, in articles for magazines and on websites. And my favorite thing is to um, help consumers save money, but also stay stylish and have fun. And it doesn't have to be a lot of work. We don't have to be crazy couponers in order to save money and in our shopping. I think that's perfect. So let's get started. What do you think makes someone a smart shopper? Well, to my mind, someone who is a smart shopper is someone who refuses to take a price at face value. If you're shopping and you see a price, even if it's on sale, you don't have to stop there. There are so many great tools and gadgets and apps to help you make sure that you're getting the best price or find an easy discount that you can take right there. Okay, so what do you think is the difference between someone who chases deals and you mentioned, um, you know, coupon chasing and mm -hmm. being a smart shopper? Yeah, I mean, I, I have so much respect for the the crazy extreme couponers out there, um, <laughs> but that scares me. I don't like anything that takes a lot of effort and a lot of time, um, so I, I'm not a fan of that for my own personal use, and simply because there, thanks to technology, there are so many great tools out there, from apps to browser extensions. You can save extra money in a matter of seconds, and so I just don't think it's worth the effort to clip all those coupons and look for expiration dates and stacking coupons. I mean, I, I think it's great for those who have time and patience to do it, but I, I'm not that kind of shopper. See, the, so I've seen the show Extreme Couponers, and I've, I've, I'm also fascinated with people who are able to do that. But sometimes I wonder if they're buying a, a lot of stuff they don't need just to have it, is it really saving money? I, you know, I think so. I mean, from what I've seen from the show and from what I've heard when I've talked to folks who, who save this way, if you um, if you stack all those coupons and you buy all the extra products and you store them in your basement, as long as you're actually using all those items that you're buying um, before they expire, you are saving money. However, you need storage space, you need time, you need patience. So I just don't think for the average consumer, especially someone who works full time, or more than full-time or as a stay-at-home parent with several kids at home, I just don't think it's a realistic way to shop and save. And I think that that tends to be um, a bit of a barrier to entry for many consumers. And so the assumption is I can't save because I don't have the time. But in reality, you really can. So everyone has uh, their own tips and tricks. My father used to always say to me, buy your sunglasses in the winter, your bathing suits in the winter, and buy, you know, your winter coats in the summer. Are there <laughs> any, uh, are there any um, tricks or any, um, your ethos that you stick by? 
Yeah, I mean, I think your dad is really smart. Buying out of season is the best way to save overall. However, are you thinking about bathing suits in December or are you thinking about an air conditioner in the winter? Maybe not. So if you're able to prepare in that way, you will save a lot because right at the end of any given season is the best time to buy items from that season. So, you know, if we're looking at uh, September, for instance, there are lots of great deals on things like patio furniture and grills and swimsuits. And so if you can think in those terms, you will save a lot. However, because of course, it's we're not all prepared in that way. We're not all thinking that way. So the other thing to do is kind of mid-season and a little bit later, you can still start saving a lot. You may not be getting a clearance level price, but you will save well. So you mentioned some some app extensions and some sites. What are the ones that you feel good using and the ones you recommend to your to your friends and readers? Yeah, so I mean there are several and I, you know, you'd probably be afraid when you looked at my computer, you'd see so many pop-ups happening as <laughs> I navigate around online because I'm testing them all, I'm checking them all. So I do have a number of favorites, and these are, you know, full disclosure brands that I often work with. For instance, Slick Deals is a deal site, and I like them because they have deal alerts. Um, so especially if you're going to invest in something a little bit more expensive, for instance, since I had my eye on a, a robotic vacuum uh, for uh, several months, and I really wanted to try one, but I was not willing to pay full price for it. So I set a deal alert for it on Slick Deals, and then by the time Amazon Prime Day came around, I ended up saving about 30% on this robotic vacuum. And, you know, I have to tell you, it was one of the best purchases I've ever made in my life. I, I really <laughs> want one. I really want one. I, I got to tell so, you. It's so, so worth it. It's literally life-changing. So I just think, like, that, that feature takes the work out of it. If you're looking for, say, a large appliance or a mattress, those bigger items that are hundreds of dollars in many cases, that deal alert is really helpful. So I like Slick Deals for that. Um, gift Card Granny is another brand that I work with a lot. And uh, buying buying and shopping with discounted gift cards is one of those things that it does take a little bit of work. And so for some consumers, they may say, oh, I can't be bothered to do that. However, I use discounted gift cards you know, for the most part, I use them for movies. And so I go to the AMC theater a lot. I buy discounted gift cards for AMC on gift card granny. And then I automatically save myself about 20 to 22% on movies every single time I go and snacks too. So buying a discounted gift card where you can save on average between two to 30%, for example, and then shopping with it, it may be an extra step, but to save that much, especially on something that may not be on sale in general, it's just a great way to either stack on top of another sale or to create your own sale. So those are two of my favorites. And then I also love browser extensions. And those are tools that that work within your browser that while you shop, they'll notify you of things and notify you of coupons bonds perhaps or sales or uh, they'll compare prices for you. So a couple of my favorites there would be Coupon Cabin has a really good one. Uh, Swagbucks, 
Honey. These are all fairly similar in what they do. They're looking for the best price, f- helping you find coupons. So you don't need to have all of them operating at once <laughs> like I do. But if you choose one that you like, it's a good way to save along the way. And I find these really, really helpful, particularly on Amazon and then also for travel. So if you're spending, you know, $1,000 on a trip, for instance, and you save yourself even 4% by using a browser extension, you've just saved yourself a bunch of money and have made very little effort. So the browser extensions for me are are a great way to kind of cheat the system a little bit. You save, but you don't have to do anything. They let you know when they're working and, and when to pounce on something. So I find browser extensions to be super helpful. I think that's great. You know, this is my question to you. Sometimes... How do you balance finding a deal with, I guess my question is sometimes you buy something because it's a deal, Mm. but you have to wonder, did I need that in the first place? How do you work that out with yourself? That's a great question. So I think that um, saving behavior can be great, but it also can can be slightly dangerous because you do get in this sort of vortex of saving where like, oh my God, it's two for one or buy one, get one 50% off. And so you have to be really mindful as a shopper. Do I actually need this thing? So I'm a, I'm a big fan of lists, um, especially around holidays or birthdays. When you're doing a lot of shopping, back to school is a good time to make a list and try to stick to that list instead of veering off and jumping on sales that you don't necessarily need because jumping on sales can actually cause you to go over budget and get you into trouble. So I would be really mindful there. And with the holidays coming, though, we'll be seeing a lot of great deals along the way. I tend to say, like, if you're looking at something and it's 40% off or more, and it is something that you need, you should just get it. Like, don't hold out for that 70% off clearance price because at that point you may not find the color you want or have the design that you want. So 40% off or more is really a substantial deal and worth jumping on. But again, that item should be on your list. So some people who really want to save, they might take it too far. Like when do you think some things that are expired might not be a good idea, but some things that are a little expired might be okay. Do you have any guidelines that you could recommend? Yeah, I mean, I I would say don't buy anything expired right out of the gate. However, there's something else to think of here when we're talking about especially buying in bulk. If you're going to Costco or BJ's or Sam's Club, people tend to overshop in those environments just because it's it's so exciting and there's samples and, you know, yeah, all sorts for of sure. good things. But there are things that you can overshoot on and then you end up wasting money. Like, for instance, I don't think a lot of people know that, for instance, uh, liquid detergents like dish detergent and laundry detergent, they have a limited shelf life. So if you're buying that five-gallon container of uh, laundry detergent, unless you have a big family, it's going to start losing its efficacy after six to nine months. So be really mindful of what you're buying and if it's going to stay fresh. Um, Olive oil is another one of those things, or brown rice. Those items go bad after a short period of time, six to nine months spices too. They start losing their flavor after six to nine months, for instance. So you don't want to buy that huge quart size of cumin unless you know that you're going <laughs> to really use it. It's a lot of cumin. Yeah, it's a lot. So just, just be careful and be mindful of what you're buying, especially in bulk. I mean, go crazy if you're buying uh 
for instance, like uh, toilet paper or paper towels, I mean, things that are are going to remain, you know, as they are, you can buy a million of those and save a lot along the way and then not have to worry about stocking up again anytime soon. But there are those things that do expire. And those are the things you want to be really careful about. So sometimes I'll look on a site and it'll it'll have that It'll say in red what the price is, and it seems they've they've slashed it, so it just seems like a deal. Mm. Do sometimes, but are they just making it look like a deal? Like so, how how do some places can trick you into thinking that something's on sale when it's not? Yeah, and you know. I don't know how ethical this is, you know, but I do see this a lot myself. Um, I do see it on Amazon, for instance, where it's like, oh, this is our price. And then now it's discounted and isn't that great. So I think with any site, if you're going to buy something, unless it's exclusive to that site and you can't do any research on it, I always recommend using, say, uh, uh, Google Shopping, for instance, is a good price comparison tool where you can enter the brand name and the product name and a bunch of different retailers who carry that product will pop up along with their pricing. So you can really get a sense of, say, like, okay, I'm I'm getting a great deal here. Um, For Amazon in particular, there's a really interesting tool called Rank Tracer. Sorry, Rank Tracer. And this, they actually gather data on Amazon uh, items specifically or items available on Amazon. And they they monitor thousands of products. And so it's it might be worth, especially if this item that you're looking at is on the expensive side, to look at Rank Tracer, enter the name of the item and see if it's something they're monitoring at that time. Because they will give you maybe more data than you ever want, um, unless you're a data head and, and you really love getting <laughs> into the weeds with it. But they'll give you charts and graphs and like, you know, how much was it an hour ago and how much might it be in a month or whatever. So it's super helpful, I think, especially if you're buying an item again, like that's a couple hundred dollars, a big investment, then you can see, you know, okay, what's, what's the trajectory here? What am I, what am I jumping on? Am I getting the best price now? So I find that to be really helpful if I want to see kind of the whole picture of that product, you know, for instance, with the robo vacuum, like that's a big purchase, right? It's hundreds of dollars. And so you should never jump on that just because it's on sale a little bit. You want to do a little digging and say, okay, you know, is this the best deal that I'm going to get or, or not? So when it comes to preserving something that you really like, you say you you do spend money on something. What do you do with like your sweaters? What do you do with your winter coat? Is there a way to preserve the things that you've spent money on in order to make them last? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky enough to, I have an old home and it has a cedar closet in it. Um, so (laughs) it's really good to keep all our, our wool items in there to keep the moths away. But if you don't, I mean, mothballs, obviously, and they don't smell great, but lavender is also a natural repellent. I believe rosemary is too, but you'll want to check that for me. And locking everything away in kind of airtight bins, using one of those um, vacuum sealer gadgets is also very helpful to help preserve your clothes. So that's a way to kind of keep your clothes in 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 good shape. And then, you know, if you've had them dry cleaned and you're not going to wear them for a while, just keep them in the dry cleaning packaging. I, I think that helps protect my clothes as well. So this is a problem I have. So I am on so many 
email newsletters. And I'm always getting emails like sale, sale, you know, last chance or, you know, 24 more hours. How can, and sometimes it seems very hard to resist. And sometimes I feel like, fine, I'll, I'll just take a look. What are some suggestions for people? Oh, also a lot of people are find Instagram ads, um, Mm. just incredibly irresistible. And they just feel just after a while, they just kind of lay down, just accept the fact that they need to buy something. What are some ways that people can resist these impulse buying and these hard sales tactics? You know, it's it's hard for those of us who are price conscious, which is obviously most of us, to ignore sales. And so I, I do, we talked before about lists. I think lists are very helpful to have a list in front of you that you can look at if you have a bulletin board near your desk. Just list the things that you might need in case you're tempted by one of these, uh, say, Instagram ads. Just avoid those items if they're not on your list. That's one way to kind of avoid them. Um, Now, something, again, about Instagram ads is they are very aggressive and they are kind of in your face if you're on Instagram a lot. And so, you know, I've discovered several retailers that I really like on Instagram. So it's, it's certainly an effective way to market. Um, however, there are a number of, I think, questionable brands on Instagram, especially, uh, and Facebook too. You see these ads and you're like, Oh my God, that sweater, it's only six 99. That's an amazing deal. But you know, quite often you get what you pay for. So if you're not familiar with that particular retailer, I would do a little bit of digging and just Google, you know, what do you think of X retailer. Um, my daughter was doing this and I'm not going to name the retailer, but she, (laughs) she was like, Oh my God, the prices are so amazing. And she looked and she saw several terrible reviews about this retailer. Like the product, the sizing is really off. The quality is terrible. It takes forever to ship, not worth it. So if you see a lot of that going on in chat rooms online, then I would avoid that too. So just be wary of those flash ads and going off of your list. And then, you know, second part of that is if it's a retailer or e-tailer that you're not familiar with, do a little digging first before you sign up with them. So what, do you use cashback cards? I do use credit cards with benefits always. So it depends on what it is that I'm buying and, you know, where I'm going to get the best deal. But I, you know, I use, for instance, the Amazon Prime Visa Rewards card. I find that to be a very helpful and very beneficial card because I do shop a lot on Amazon, but I also shop at Whole Foods. And there are benefits for both. And the cash back that I earn, I use towards my other Amazon purchases. So that's a very helpful one for me. Um, I also use a United visa um, because I fly, I travel a lot and I fly United a lot. So every time I use that card, I earn points towards my travel. So you know, my suggestion would be with with cashback cards is make sure that it's something useful. Make sure that it's going to be able to that like you're going to be able to apply it to something that you regularly use. Um, and then the other point of that too is that the majority of cashback cards have a very high APR. So if you're not intending to pay that card off every month, you're basically shooting yourself in the foot with those all those points that you're accruing, and then you're not paying the card off and then you're paying interest on it and then you've basically just zeroed yourself out. So these cards should be paid off every single month. And if you cannot do that, then you should have a card with say a zero APR and shop with that and just forget the benefits from a cashback card. 
So this episode is probably going to air um, before the holidays. And I know it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so warm in New York right now, but we know. Yeah. Um, so it's hard to think about. But when it comes to making, there's so much money to be spent around the holidays with Secret Santa gifts, with traveling to see our relatives, um, you know, just with presents and keeping everybody happy, making dinner. Um, what are some guidelines that you have um, that you like to recommend when it comes to keeping the holidays on, the budge- on a budget, but also trying to give everybody what they want? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a that's a big question. So let's let's talk about um, sure. s- shopping and staying organized. Is you know staying organized for me is one of the biggest and most important things that you can do going into the holiday season. So we talked a little bit before about lists, and I'm going to say it again. Um, I actually recommend keeping a list that you update every year. Um, like an Excel sheet is super helpful for that. You have your recipients in one column, and then you add sort of gift ideas or what you actually ended up buying them, um, budget. And then every year, look at that list, evaluate that list, compare what you ended up spending with the budget that you have. Um, can you stay the same? Do you have to spend less? Do you have more? Do you need to make adjustments to the list based on that? Um, Especially if you spent a lot last year and you don't have that money to spend this year, you may need to revisit how you give gifts. Maybe it's that you talk to your family and say, hey, I think we all went a little bit overboard last year. Should we do, should we draw names? Should we do a white elephant? Um, because I think that especially with families and also with coworkers, you can kind of get into this aiming to please frame of mind where you're going overboard to make everybody happy and then you're you're blowing your budget. Sure. I do recommend saving throughout the year for holidays so you actually have a fund to save from. You know, going into the fall, if you haven't been saving so far, that's okay. Um, Because there might be a way to start saving some money now. Um, I like to talk about uh, if you're doing something now that you're paying for, but you could maybe do it yourself instead, um, like washing your car or um, manicures, pedicures, paying a cleaning person. This may be one of those things where you can cut back for a couple of months and then um, and save that money instead. And then there's your holiday fund, essentially. So um, because I'm not a fan of carrying debt into the new year. Right. So sure. I think that if you can save along the way, that's really helpful. And then if you are going to use your credit cards, if they do have an APR of any kind, then plan to pay them off at, at the end of each month. So this is my last question. You were talking about your daughter. Um, How do you teach your daughter or how do you recommend people teach their kids um, about how to be a smarter shopper? I think my daughter is probably the smartest 12-year-old shopper (laughs) of of any child on the planet um, because I've raised her this way. Um, So, you know, one of the things I like to recommend is that um, you should take your kids shopping with you, even though you think, oh, my God, I can't do it. It's too much of a pain. And you have multiple kids I hear you like, but I would recommend maybe not taking all of them with you, maybe one at a time. Um, My daughter's an only child, so I I try to take her shopping with me as much as I can. And because it's very helpful for them to see you transact. It's very helpful for for as you're checking unit prices, for instance, at the grocery store, like, okay, where's the better price? Am I getting a good deal using a coupon, using a savings app um, while you're in store? That's really helpful for them to see. So I've been doing that with my daughter for several years now. And then I think the next step after that, you know, maybe when kids 
kids are nine, 10, giving them a little bit of money to spend when you take them shopping. So say you're going to Target or Walmart, you know, giving them a few dollars and letting them buy something for themselves. Because when they feel the pinch of using their own money, it's very impactful for them. They say, oh, I don't want to spend my $5 on that when I could spend $2 on something and save the money and gather it later and use it for something else. Like you'll see the wheels turning for them. I think it's very, very instructive to do that. And then as they get a little bit older, you know, if they're earning money with an allowance or a little bit, a a little job, it becomes even more helpful. Um, I recently got my daughter a debit card, um, a green light card. And, you know, I pay $5 a month for that, which I'm not that much of a fan of, but until she's 13 and I can get a free debit card for her, this is what we're doing. But I'm finding that this platform is really helpful. So she has her own debit card. When she goes out and about in town with her friends, she can shop with it. I see every transaction she makes. Um, I get an alert on my phone. I can actually block certain transactions, which I haven't needed to, but you know, parents can if their kids are going overboard at Starbucks or something like that. So these are kind of the steps that I would recommend that you take to get your kids really involved with shopping and spending money themselves can be really, really helpful. Well, I think this has been great and super instructive. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. My pleasure, of course. So if someone wanted to learn um, more about you and get more of your insights, where would they go? They can go to truetray.com. And I'm True Trey on uh, Twitter and also on Facebook. I'm Trey Bodge on Instagram. And I have savings tips on YouTube as well under True Trey. So there are lots of places where you can find um, the content that I'm putting out there. I do regular blog posts and videos. And then I also do a lot of TV segments where I'm talking about uh, just this topic. So lots of places for you to, to find me. And then I do encourage people, if you have specific questions, that feel free to reach out to me on any of those platforms and I'm happy to uh, provide an answer for you. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking with you soon. Of course, anytime. Thanks for listening to Teach Me How to Money. Send us your questions at teachmehowtomoney at stashinvest.com and we'll try to answer them on a future episode. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review on the iTunes store, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't have stash yet? Just go to stashinvest.com slash podcast, and you can get $5 to get you started on your investment journey. Stash, it's your money, simplified. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from Stash to the listener. Neither Stash nor any of its officers, directors, or employees makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any of the information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Stash, and Stash is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of advice by Stash to the listener, nor to constitute such a person a client of Stash.